0: This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. Matthew chapter sixteen and twenty one, Matthew chapter sixteen and twenty one. We read this verse last week. We're reading it this week, and we've talked about the, the we're talking about the three days, day one, day two, day three. Day one, the day of suffering. Jesus is suffering his passion. Day two, uh, we're talking about the day of doubt. And day three, t- uh, next Sunday, we'll be talking about the day of change and transformation. You don't want to miss it. We'd love for you to be here next week. It's going to be amazing. Matthew 16 and 21 says this. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of elders and leading priests and teachers of the religious law, he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Now, what we see here is Jesus is not—he uh, didn't take the narrative that I would have taken. Maybe die and like an hour, poof, come back, you know, and glow and shine and 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 be like, I told you, what's up? You know what I mean? I, that's kind of how I would have done it. But he went through this process, and this is a process that was foretold uh, centuries before he came to earth. That three days, that he would come into the earth, that he would suffer, and then he would be buried, and then he would be raised again. In fact, that's the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Not the death and resurrection. there was the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Jesus took the keys of death, hell, or Hades, and the grave. And so we look at these three areas that Jesus conquered in his passion... He didn't just conquer suffering, he conquered the dark day of the soul, Saturday, the day of wondering, the day of confusion, the day of going, that's not how we planned this. This is a little different than the narrative we thought was going to happen. How many here has ever had a day of doubt? Got a few people that didn't raise their hands and... If, you didn't have, if you've never had a day of doubt, then while I'm teaching you, just shine your halo because you're so spiritual. And I ha- I've, had, I've, I've had doubt. And if you haven't had doubt, I'm going to tell you, you're, you're going to have a day of doubt. There's going to be a day where you're like, okay, I'm having some doubt here. There's some circumstances that are going to take place, and you're going to go, okay, I have to deal with this. And this is the day, too, the day of doubt. And I want to give you the keys to, do, to this. And today, I believe that through the Holy Spirit, there's some hearts that are going to be healed today. As we examine this day. Why? Because the day of doubt is just a day. It's not designed to be the story of your life. It's just a story in your life. But it's not designed to be the story of your life. There's some people who have taken one story in their life and they made it the story of their life. So they doubt forever or they're stuck in day one. They're suffering forever. They're just never get through it. Never get past it. We want to give you the keys to get past it. First, I want to talk about the three kinds of doubt. You can write this on the back of your worship guide. There's some notes there. <clears throat> Number one is intellectual doubt. Intellectual doubt. And there are people who genuinely have intellectual doubt. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having questions. I want to say that uh, first and foremost. Because as, as Christians, as believers, we, we don't go, oh, you know, don't talk that science stuff. We're just going to stay in the mystical realm. No, we, we, it's okay to have questions, and I think the Bible stands pretty strong even in the face of questions. We'll talk about that in just a moment. I know when I get to heaven, I mean, probably you too, when I get to heaven, there's some questions that I'm going to have. Can I get a witness from anybody? Like the first question, I'm going to be like walking up to Adam, and I'm going to be like, Adam, shirt up. I got to see if you have a belly button. We've been talking about this way too long. Everybody wants to know, did Adam have a belly button? Well, let's figure that out now, all right? Then the next question to Noah is, Noah, why didn't you kill those two mosquitoes on the boat? Why did you let those two mosquitoes live? Those are my first two questions, and then I got other ones after that, all right? but We all have questions. There's nothing wrong with that. We all have moments of doubt, moments of going, okay. But let me just say this. The Bible and Christianity is not a religion of non-thinking. You don't have to put your brain in a bag to become a Christian, right? In fact, the Bible is one of those unique books in that it's one of those books that can be tested. It can be measured. It's not one of those books that some guy went into a cave and comes out and says, Hey, I've got some holy script here, and, and you have to believe what I say now. And you're like, Well, why do I have to believe what you say? Because the book says that I am a special man, a special prophet. Okay, well, well why is the book special? Because I say that the book is special. Well, why are you special? Because the book says I am special. Well, you know, it's it's just that cyclical, you know, self-referencing authority, and it goes nowhere. The Bible is something that can be measured. It's something that we can look at times and places and dates and people and say, did these events really happen? Um, These claims about the cosmos, claims about creation. In fact, the Bible is the only holy book that claims that time, space, matter has a beginning, that it all began at the same time and place. And that God was outside of time, space, matter, energy, and creation when he created. And it's the only one that claims that, uh, that the universe is being spread out. The Bible talks about that, that God spread the heavens out like a curtain, that the, 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 the cosmos are moving out. And I can go on and on and on about science, and there's so much in the scripture that, that points to those facts. In fact, um, other religious books talk about a static, a static universe, an eternal universe. Hinduism teaches an eternal universe that that is static and forever. Well, we know that matter, time, space, and energy had a beginning, okay, the law of entropy, the law of thermodynamics. So we're not in competition with science. It's not like, yeah, you know, you got to believe in Christianity or science. No, 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 that's not the fact at all. This is a thinker's religion. In fact, our faith has built an event that either happened or didn't happen. Jesus either was a real person he either died and rose again or he didn't and we can we have we have historical and we have biblical uh, narratives that can either support that or wash that away that's the cool thing we can it's measurable so again this is a thinker's religion this is not something that we have to put our brains aside and so if you're having intellectual doubt we'd love to have a conversation with you we can have a lot of we can point you to a lot of great books and uh, there's even some small group curriculums that that you can do to just help uh, unpack a lot of that things. Atheists that became Christians, C.S. Lewis, Faye Weldon, Peter Hitchens, Alistair M- McGrath, and Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel has a, a movie that's out right now called Case for Crisis in the movie theater. I suggest you go see it. Uh, great opportunity to, again, use your mind and, uh, again, reinforce our faith. Okay? Does that sound good? All right. The second is volitional doubt. Everybody say volitional doubt. This means that people are doubting based on their own volition. Their own will. I don't want to believe. There are people who say, "I just don't want to believe." Second Peter chapter three and three, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, own desires, for they, for this they willingly are ignorant. They're just willingly ignorant. I don't want to know. Okay, I don't want to know. Uh, Romans chapter one and twenty-eight says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them a reprobate mind. God let them think the way they wanted to think because they didn't want to consider God. They didn't want an in, the inconvenience of, uh, of that truth, so on and so forth. How many you, many of you know people like this? It's just it's just a, it's an act of the will. It's not intellectual. It's just an act of the will. I don't want to believe. I don't want to know. John 3, 19 says this, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than they like light, more than they love light. And so it's an act of the will. I don't I love my life, I love what I'm doing, I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing, it's just, this is just, this is what I want to do, I don't want to believe, it's an inconvenient truth, it's a volitional, that I heard a story once, and you, you probably heard me tell this story, of little Johnny, who was in, I think, second or third grade, and the teacher's talking about the big fish, the whale, uh, you know, that, that big fish, and the whales cannot eat a human, that their throat is too small, and little Johnny, who's a Christian, uh, raises his hand, the teacher's not a Christian, she's, she you know, she. Doesn't believe in the Bible. And so she, he raises his hand and says, But, teacher, um, Jonah in the Bible was swallowed by a whale, by a big fish. And the teacher said, No, 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 that didn't happen. That's not science. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, he said, No, 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 it happened. It's in the Bible. I, da, 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 da. And so they had this little conversation. So he finally put his hand down. She keeps teaching. And so he was thinking about it. He goes, You know what? He raised his hand. Yes, Johnny. He says, He says, How about when I get to heaven? I'll ask Jonah how it happened. And at this time, now she's a little perturbed, and she's like, she's a little smirky. She said, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? Then Johnny said, then you can ask him. (laughs) So (laughs) there's just, (laughs) (laughs) terrible joke, I know, I know. But little Johnny, little Johnny, okay. Volitional doubt, you know, just I'm not, I'm not gonna hear it, I'm not gonna hear it. Now, the third kind of doubt is the kind of doubt that you're really gonna come across uh, most in life. People who have doubts, it's not gonna be because some new science breakthrough and they go, oh, we've proven there's no God. The more science that's discovered, the more it points to a creator. People, they go, you know, there scientists now that are writing and saying, hey, um, there's just no way, the, 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 the age of the earth, there's just no way that, that, that the timeline would have enough time for. DNA to do what it needed to do to morph and, and, and change into what we have now and, and to mutate, et cetera, et cetera. There's no time. So now many scientists are moving away from that saying that the earth was seeded with DNA, so on and so forth, because it's just, it's, just it's just not working within the, the worldview and the, and the paradigm that they have. So there's a lot of people with doubts, but the number one doubt, the number one doubt is emotional doubt. Everybody say emotional doubt. And this is the kind of doubt that we're going to find on day two. This is the kind of doubt where you go, man, how did this happen? Why did God let this happen? Where you say, you know what, I, I, I thought there was a plan. I thought we were like boys in the hood, like Jesus and his, his disciples. And now Jesus has been executed on a cross. It's Saturday. Pilate just sealed the tomb. And this isn't looking good. And all my expectations of what Jesus was going to do, all my expectations of what was supposed to happen have all fallen to the wayside, and I'm feeling frustrated, and you can look at the story, and you can see, where the disciples? What happened on this day? They're distraught. They're confused. They're bewildered. They don't know what to do. They don't know if they're coming or going. There's emotional doubt. In fact, when Jesus was talking with Peter, and it took him a long time to break through, and they still didn't get it. Jesus said, I've got to go to the cross. I've got to die, be raised again. He told, them all, he told them over and over again they weren't getting it. But he finally said, I'm going to the cross. And Peter said, no, you're not, Jesus. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You're not speaking out of the will of God. You're speaking out of another spirit. He said this. He said, in fact, you're going to deny me three times. And Satan has desired to get you. You're going to fail me on Friday And on Saturday, Satan's going to come. He's going to try to make your failure final for your life. Saturday is going to be the day where it gets sealed. Here's what Jesus said. He said, but I prayed for your faith that it wouldn't fail. I'm praying that you can get through Saturday. That Saturday will not be the end of your story. That you can get to Sunday because when Sunday comes, everything's going to change. You got to get through Saturday. And so what he was dealing with and what the disciples were dealing with was emotional doubt. Expectations that didn't happen. And all of us here on some level, in some form, have perhaps had expectations on God that didn't come to pass. And we go, what happened there, God? I thought we were brosies. I thought we were BFFs. I thought we were like friends. I thought you were like Abba Father. And what happened? Remember the story of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha? These were like Jesus's BFFs. He went to their house all the time. Like whenever he was in the area, he just walked in and went to the fridge and got the leftover Chinese food and just ate whenever he wanted. Like he could go to their house anytime. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so Lazarus gets sick. And you would think like being BFFs, which is best friends forever, okay, for those who don't know, for being best friends like, like Jesus would have been like, hey, by the way, in a couple weeks you're going to be getting sick, so um, this is called penicillin. Uh, well, go ahead and take that. Or or something, you know, like like, like he's gonna just circumvent that. Why, why do we have to have this experience anyways? Like, Jesus is my friend. Why didn't he just why don't we just circumvent the problem altogether? Not only does Jesus not do that, Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, and guess what he does? till his best friend dies and then his best friend is buried and his best friend is dead for four days and he stinks and Jesus finally shows up after the funeral after the ceremony didn't even have the heart to show up to the funeral he gets there and Mary won't even come talk to him Martha comes out and is like what happened like I let you sleep on my couch man like, we're supposed to be tight, like, like homies. Like, we had the handshake and the fist bump and the, you know, we had all that. We had the friendship bracelets we made for each other. Like, what? Je- Jesus. Right? And, 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 and Jesus says something interesting. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is not something. The resurrection is someone. Amen. Life. The life is not something, it is someone. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I've come at the perfect time. Even even though it didn't play according to your rules, I came according to the plan. Can I get a good amen? And this is where a lot of us are. We're in that liminal space going, why, God? Why would you let this happen? Why didn't you stop that from happening? Why this? Why that? Why that? And that emotional doubt. We feel hurt. We feel lost. Can you imagine John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin? All right? If anybody should get a visit, it should be John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the guy who not only is Jesus' older cousin, he's the guy who baptized Jesus, saw the the dove, heard the voice, all that said, Jesus, you increase, I decrease, Uh, all my followers follow him. I mean, he really set the stage for Jesus' ministry, got it all ready, got it set up. And now John the Baptist is in prison awaiting capital punishment nine months later. He's going, where's Jesus? Guess how many times Jesus came to visit him doing the jail ministry? Zero. So John is looking through the prison bars going, hey, guys, go ask Jesus, are you the one or should we wait for another? emotional doubt. This isn't playing out the way I was hoping. Like, like at least get me, at least like dun, 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 the cape and fly over and burst the walls out. Let me go. I'll just go to Egypt and, and, and get a little pad and, 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 and just hang out there. Just, just some other kind of, what's, I mean, come on, this has, got, this has got to end better than this. We're related. Look at what I did. And this isn't working out the way it's supposed to work. And maybe you've been there. You're like, this isn't working out. Like, I got this, I, 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 I drank the Jesus juice. And I thought everything was gonna be okay. And I thought life was gonna like like miraculously like all become better and like easier. And now it feels like there's a tension. It feels like it even got a little rougher. Jesus got baptized, and immediately he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness. It's like, what's going on here? This is what I signed up for. There's a lot of you who have unmet expectations and emotional doubt, and you're stuck in day two going, God, I don't get it. You know what's frustrating sometimes about this scenario? It's not that God doesn't. It's that you know that God could, and he doesn't. You know he could do anything. You know, he could blink his eye and everybody be healed. You know, he could, you know, snap his feet and... But why doesn't it work out that way? Let me give you a couple of things that are important. How to survive the day of doubt. Number one, you've got to trust, write this down, trust God's plan. Do you know that the plan is bigger than the man? From the foundation of the world, Christ was slain, like, those three days were not like something that Jesus is like, hey, I got an idea. I've <sighs> been here a while. Thinking, if I go to the cross and they bury me, I may just come back from the dead. This is not like some arbitrary, like, like idea. Like, this is the master plan. The plan is even bigger than the man. And the issue is we don't see the plan, and so we can't understand How it all works, but here's what we can't understand. Romans 8 and 28. I love this verse. And we feel that all things, God with all things, we and we feel that in all things God works for the good for those who love Him. Is that what it says? No, not feel, no. Because you're gonna feel a certain way. You're gonna feel like where is God? On Saturday, you're gonna feel like like everything's shut up and shut off and, and everything's gone and everything, you're gonna feel like you're all alone. But you have to go back to knowing there's a plan, and that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called. Of course, nothing can happen unless it's a part of the plan. That's hard. That's hard to digest. Turn to your neighbor and say, "What I feel ain't always real," and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do that little. I, I don't, Joe, you didn't do it. I'm going to wait for you to do it. I, I, I need to see everybody do it one more time. What I feel ain't always real. There we go. All right. I refuse to be a slave to my emotions. Hey, we don't feel our way into right actions. We act our way into right feelings. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like, like if, if, if every time you didn't feel like God was for you and you just pushed the eject button, you'd get nowhere in life. It's not about feeling. It's about knowing. You know what? When I don't understand, I know that everything's working for good. When it hurts and it feels like, man, this is, I'm getting slighted in this. I'm going to tell you, God will never slight you. Every plan, everything that happens is for your good. It's for your good. It's for your good. For your good. Can I get a good amen? amen? I love this psalm, Psalm 23 and 1. Psalm 23 and 1. The Lord is my shepherd. How many has heard this psalm before? Most of you can quote it. I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path first day. This is like a Carrie Carpenter song. Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? Just like me. I can't wait. I'm still singing it. They long to be. Say, like, like nothing in green pastures. And then it says, He guides me on the right path. Now, here we go. We're on the right path. You ready for the next verse? (laughs) Here we go. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Wait, I thought I was on the right path. Yeah, you could be on the right path and still be on the darkest valley. But But I thought we were on the right path. Yeah, it's the right path, but He's leading you through something. This valley isn't your destination. It's just the path to Sunday. You got to get to the other side. Watch what it says here. I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. How do I know? It's dark. We're in a valley. I can't see my shepherd. That's okay. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why am I comforted? Because it's that rod that's guiding me. I'm, I'm moving the wrong way. and he, he taps me and I go back this way. And he keeps me on that path. And you don't even realize what the Holy Spirit's been guiding your life. And you've been going through a bad... You're like, I'm all alone. And the shepherd's like, you're not alone. I'm right here. You think you're alone? You're not alone. His staff... His presence, His power, His authority has been with you the whole time. And you're like, I did it all by myself. And God's like, sure you did. <laughs> I, I didn't even, I, I got through it, God, all by myself. Sure you did. It's like when my, my, my little kids, they, because a couple years ago, Jude comes in, he's like, look what I did, Dad. And the painting was amazing. I was like, this kid's amazing. We finally got one that's going like, to be able to support us when we're older. And so I did a little investigation, and the painting that he did, it was just wa- the water thing, where they just put, their thing, you know, put the brush in water, and they just basically put water over, and all the colors come out, right? I was like, oh, okay. That's how it is with God. Like, like, all we do is just add water, and he does the rest. And we're like, look what we did, God. God's like, great job. Awesome. He was there the whole time amen, Isaiah 55 and 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your, ha- th- your thoughts, so here's what he's saying, he says, can you understand the cosmos, can you understand the, the, the universe, he's like, as hard as it is for your brain to comprehend that, that's how hard it is for you to, for you to see the big picture, God takes into account everything, like, if you were to, like, if we are trying to put our, wrap our mind around, like, how big the cosmos is, it, it's almost unfathomable. You know, the speed of light is 186,000, 186, miles per second. You snap your fingers, okay, snap, light has traveled around the earth or could travel around the earth about 10 times, okay? If you were to drive your car 60 miles an hour, never stop, to the sun, six, 96 million miles away, it would take you 163 years of nonstop to get there, okay? It, my wife is driving, probably about 143 years to get there, okay? But light, by the, from when it leaves the sun to when it hits your face, eight minutes, okay? Eight minutes. Light is fast, 186,000 miles per second. One mile, excuse me, one minute, it travels 11 million miles, One day, it travels 160 billion miles. Watch this. One year, light travels an unfathomable 1,865,696,000,000 miles. That's one light year. That's in the trillions, almost 2 trillion. The universe that we know of, 46 billion light years in radius. And then we're like, yeah, God, yeah, we, we know better than, than you, right? Like, like, hey, God, I got an idea. Like, like, we could come up with an idea that God hasn't already thought of. Hey, God, what if you, you know what I mean? Like, we have to trust God's master plan. Number two, you can write this down. You got to discover God's purpose. Let me just tell you, there's a purpose to your pain. There's a purpose to your pain. You don't just go through things, you grow through things. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. You don't just go through things, you grow through things. Like, you know, I think America, I mean, P- Pastor Mike, he was here for all four services, so I said, you're, you're welcome to go when you're, when you're done, you know. And, and so he, he slipped out. We prayed for him. Thank you guys for praying. But, like, when I'm talking to him about what they're going through in, in Africa, I'm like, man, we are, we're like little wimpy Christians. Yeah like, we could cry over a hangnail. Oh, God. Why did you let this happen? You know what I mean? Like, and they're being, it's like, like, but the trials have a purpose. Watch this. James chapter one and two says this. Consider it pure joy. When was the last time you got excited when a trial came? Consider it pure joy when, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Guess what? I'm being bombarded with trials. You know what I mean? Like, have you done that? Like, yes, trouble. You know what I mean? The Bible's like, rejoice. Because we know, not we feel. We know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, when it's finished, mature, complete, lacking nothing. God doesn't want you to lack anything. So here's the deal. Every storm is a school. Every trial is a teacher. Every experience is an education. Every difficulty, every, every difficulty is for your development. Most of us are so focused on getting out of the trial, we get nothing out of the trial. Are you following me? We want to get out. We're like, God, 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 God. But watch what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians 1 and 4. He comforts us in all our troubles. Now, most of us would like to rewrite that scripture and say, He gets us out of all of our troubles. We push the eject button as soon as we cry and and, and say, God, I can't do it. He said, no, he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God gave us. You're going through it because somebody else is going to go through it. And there's a grace on your life that only you have to give. I don't have the same grace that you have. You don't have the same grace that I have. So we got to know there's a purpose to the pain. Can I get a good amen? The Biosphere 2 was a building that they built, and it still exists, down in, in Tucson, Arizona, right outside of Tucson, Arizona. Maybe you've heard me tell this before, but they put together what they called the perfect, like, utopia, this climate. So they had a little tundra, and they had a little desert, and they had a rainforest, and they had all these different ecosystems, the grasslands, and, and it's all under one big roof. It's like 40 acres, but the building is, I can't remember, I can't remember how many square feet, but probably be about six times this building, includes, including the Fusion Fitness, okay? Huge. And most of it's a greenhouse with glass and everything. It's, a, it's cool. You can look it up, Biosphere 2. And they put together this perfect ecosystem. And after a couple years, all these trees that were in the building started falling, just collapsing. And they were like, what's happened? It was like, the, we've put together the perfect environment. Why, why is this happening? And so the scientists come in, they go, they start looking, and they're like, we can't figure it out. Like, there's, like there's no bad bugs. This is a perfect sterile environment and perfect water and perfect this. And finally, one of the scientists walks in, and he goes, wind. There's no wind in here. And what happened was, because there was no resistance, there was no pull and push, no wind, guess what happened? The trees became just like dust, And so the wind and the tension of life is not a bad thing. It's what makes you strong. It's what God allows because that's where you grow. It's in the storms that trees grow. It's in the storms that palm trees can grow 10, 15 feet in one storm. You don't realize what you're capable of until things come against you. You don't go through it. You grow through it. Grow through it. And then number three. We have to wait on the Lord We have to wait on the Lord Chesterton Chesterton said this He said If we're to turn In our doubt From the Lord What will we turn to Like what are you going to turn to What worldview are you going to go to How are you going to process the world If you process it any other way than the eyes of God's plan We explain Oh man, hey, sorry that your child is, is dying um, Hate that for you But natural selection Evolution has determined That your kids' genes don't belong In this world And should not be passed on to the next generation So don't cry, you should rejoice You should be happy Evolution is doing its work That doesn't even make sense in our heart, does it? So what's the alternative? Why is there so much evil in the world? That's the same question that C.S. Lewis asked. If there's a God, then why is there so much evil? But he walked that out and he said, but what is evil if there's no God? We're no different than viruses and uh, bacteria come and hurt someone or kill someone. There's no difference than anything else. There's no God and there's no... Lawmaker, If there's no lawmaker, there's no moral law. If there's no moral law, there's no good or evil, then what's the difference in anything? Is there a purpose? So what do we turn to with these wounds? We turn our hearts to God in the day of darkness. Psalms 27 and 12 says this, Don't let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Before I die, I'm not talking about heaven, in the land of the living I'm going to see God's goodness. This is what you ought to pray and declare. He says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Come on, I'm going to tell you, today God wants to sweep in and do a work in your heart. Psalm 73 and 13, I love this. This is the message. I've been stupid to play by the rules. I did it the right way. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck. That's what, a slap in the face every time I walk out the door. If I've been given a walk like this, I would have betrayed your dear children. Still, I've tried to figure it out. And all I got was a splitting headache until I entered the sanctuary of God. Watch this. Then I saw the whole picture. When I got in his presence, when I turned my doubt and I put it toward, and I, I, and I lean into God, things started making sense. I may not even be able to explain it, but I know. I know my Redeemer lives. I know all things work together for good. I've leaned into God's heart. I've leaned into God's presence. I didn't stop pressing in. And I close with this: Isaiah 30 and 25: "In the day of great slaughter, pain. When the towers fall, your life has been built up, and now the towers are fallen. Streams of water flow on every high mountain and every lofty hill. The flood of life comes, and you're like, "Why God?" This is what he says. "The moon will shine like the sun. The sunlight will be seven times brighter. The light of the seven full days. When the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds, the inflicted. Wow, this is what he's saying. When you let God heal your wounds, the moon, your night will feel like day and your day will feel like seven. It'll be the best day of your life. When you turn your emotional doubt, your unmet expectations, your spiritual wounds and say, I'm giving it back to you. Sunday is on its way. It's Saturday, but you weren't created to stay in Saturday, it's just a chapter. A good life is like a good book, it has many chapters, it's just a chapter. There's emotional doubt, there's some hurts, there's some wounds, But I'm telling you, the page is about to flip, and Sunday is on its way, and there's a change about to happen, transition's about to happen. It's on its way. Would you stand? I have one more story, I have one more story. Would you stand with your heart open? Several years ago, there was a tree in a small town in the state of Georgia. This tree was over 140, 150 years old. It was massive. And this tree was such an iconic part of this area that you would see the tree on the side of the police cars and the brochure for the county was this tree because it was so massive, right in the heart of this little town, this little city center. One day they wake up and the tree has fallen to its side. They said, what happened? They brought the experts in and they looked and they researched and finally one of the experts found something. It found a wound, a cut, a gash in the tree from 60, 70, 80 years before that never healed right. A wound that did not heal became the demise of the tree. Let me tell you, there's some things, emotional doubt and wounds and unmet expectations that have come and created emotional doubt and and, and created created this aloofness with God and you can't trust him and you're not sure if he's real and you're not sure if he if he is real does he even know where I am does he even care what I'm going through does he even know what I'm feeling and I want to tell you he knows because he entered into your day two he entered into your day of doubt he entered into your day of pain he knows exactly where you are what you're going through would you close your eyes would you lift your hands with me Lord today in the name of Jesus we declare the righteousness of Christ over this congregation. There's freedom in your presence. Lord no matter what we've gone through. There's some people in this room with some church wounds. People that should have protected them, people that should have should have taken care of them. They got hurt, they got wounded. There's people in this room that had expectations for family and friends and And they've got so many wounds deep in their heart that they don't even know who to trust and if they can trust ever again. But Lord, your spirit is moving through this house and there's a healing coming right now as we turn our hearts to you, not away from you, but we turn our hearts to you, Lord. You're transforming us. You're changing us. Our day of doubt is about to be a day of resurrection, a day of change and transformation. This day was not designed to last forever. I'm going to ask our service pastors and our prayer team to come forward. Our worship team is going to be leading us in song. You're welcome to come forward and our prayer team and service pastors will be happy to pray with you. If you want to stay in your seats, you can just worship there. If you need to go, you can quietly be a good neighbor, slip out. and we, we get that. We understand that. But I really believe that in the next few moments, God is going to heal some hearts that have been wounded, some emotional wounds and doubts that have kind of stayed deep in your heart that you've never really uncovered, you've never unpacked, and you've never let God step into